turn to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. I know we've been in Psalm 1 at night. I know Mr. Harris talked about Psalm 3 yesterday. And I'm going to do Psalm 13. And I need to, uh, and this isn't for you young people or super young people. It's more for the students. During the, um, we have a prayer conference every year. And uh, Mr. Garreau, who you heard yesterday, was supposed to speak. And he got sick, so he couldn't speak. And so at the last moment, I, I stepped in and did Psalm 13. But I kind of aimed it more at the uh, more mature people. Not that you're not mature, but you're less mature. Uh, and uh, spoke um, more from the perspective of faith and uh, so on. Um, and great difficulties. And, and then I thought about the psalm and uh, the way I want to uh, approach it. And this may not make sense to you, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so there's this really good book, Lies That Women Believe. Okay, it's a really good book. Um, and I recommend it highly. And so in the Christian publishing world, what they do is they'll take a book like this and they'll write another one, not just to sell it, but to help lies young woman believe. Okay, does that make sense? So there's another good book. I don't have both copies, so I couldn't do it. But um, Disciplines of a Godly Man. That's a really good book. Excellent. So I would recommend that one for the men. But then there's another book they came out with a few years ago, Disciplines of Godly Young Men. And again, kind of aimed more at the younger person. And that's what I want to try to do this morning. Take Psalm 13 and uh, um, try to think back many, 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 many years when I was younger. Uh, when I was your age, I didn't know the Lord, so I can't totally identify. But um, when I was younger, and think about some of the, the struggles um, that were more real to me at that point, not saying I don't have any struggles now, um, because I do, but uh, I want to approach the psalm in that light. So, before we get going, let's have Joe. I've asked him if he'll stand up, and it's just six verses, and uh, we'll read through Psalm 13, then we'll pray, and then we'll get going. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. Okay, so the, the Psalm's fairly short. Psalm 1 has uh, six verses. I believe Psalm 3 has eight verses. Today we're going to look at Psalm 13 briefly, has six verses. It's a Psalm of David, similar to what Mr. Harris went through yesterday, but the circumstances are very different. This is much earlier in David's life, it seems. Um, how old exactly he was, we don't know, but perhaps late teens, somewhere around there, and uh, that's important in regards to the context and where you guys are at and in your life as well. So let's pray. Father, we gain, we come and commit to you our time. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and active. And I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, you would speak through the other sessions. Lord, you would speak all day. We thank you for your word last night. And uh, again, um, the importance of coming into the Word of God, seeing that it's living, that it's active, that it's effective, that it's life-changing, transforming. 
um, that it's relevant, that it's up to date. And we come and just praise you that your word is eternal. And uh, you know the human heart better than anyone, for you created us. And we come this morning asking to please speak as only you can into the heart. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up in England. Um, I was born in London, in England. When I was about nine years old, my parents decided to immigrate to South Africa. Uh, the reason being, I'm not from a Christian family, but the reason being simply that they wanted to try to have a better life. Um, at that point, the South African government was offering free airfares and um, a better job, more money. Uh, they would help you buy a home. And uh, so my parents decided, hey, let's go. So I got on a plane uh, at nine years of age. I have an older brother, younger sister. And off we went. I thought we were going to live in the jungle. I thought we were, I was going to be like Tarzan and, and uh, it was going to be epic. We arrived in Johannesburg and it was a massive city, very different to London, but it was still a massive city and I was so disappointed in a way. But it didn't last long because in about one week we moved from Johannesburg, if you know South Africa, which you probably don't, we flew down to the Indian Ocean to a city called Durban, right on the beach. I, we didn't live right at the beach, but close enough. And that's where I grew up in my teenage years. Um, and I loved uh, my time in South Africa. I, that, that kind of formed me, but I didn't know the Lord. But I did have a question in my heart and in my mind that would keep coming back to me. It started when I was a young kid in England. Um, and the question was, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? Why do I exist? Now, many of you are from Christian homes, and I realize that perhaps you don't have that kind of question. Maybe you do, but generally when I ask people that, they say, no, I didn't think about that at all. But I, I grew up um, outside of the Christian realm, and I'm like, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? Why do I exist? What am I supposed to do? Um, I didn't think that I just happened to come about. I I would look at my hands and, and I would think about how complicated we are. And I'm like, something, someone, something must have made us. And that question uh, kind of went back and forth in my mind as a young kid and into my teenage years. Eventually, I came to know the Lord at 23 and I found the answer. Um, the Lord made me. I was created for His glory. I was created to know Him. And that changed everything in my life. I was going that way, and suddenly I was going this way. I didn't know much, but I, I found at last, I found why I was on this earth and uh, the purpose of my life. And I say all that because that's important to get to. Now, many of you have grown up in Christian homes, and uh, you believe, or you follow the Lord, or you read your Bible because your parents do. And that's good. That's not a bad thing. I think it's always the will of God for you to grow up in a Christian home. I think that's a good thing. I think it's the right thing. I wish I had. But uh, um, so don't don't ever uh, despise that or wish it different. Um, and I've heard many young people who have grown up in Christian homes wish they had not done that, wished for something else. Um, but I just would encourage you, be thankful. Again, maybe and, and you don't have perfect parents but they do the best that they can, and they point you to the Lord. And I say all that because David, as we come to the psalm, David grew up in a godly home, it seems. If you know the story of David, Samuel the prophet comes, 
God leads him to David's father. And he says, I want you to anoint one of his sons. And uh, he comes there and immediately Samuel looks at the sons and he, he makes a um, an assessment. Anybody know what it is besides the students? What assessment does Samuel make when he sees one of David, uh, excuse me, one of, I can't, what's David's father's name? Huh? Jesse, thank you. Um, so when he, when he has the sons of Jesse walk past him, he makes some assessment. What is it besides the students? I only have till 9.30, so, you know, I need some help here. All right, a student. Oh, my word. Um, what assessment does he make? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were impressive outwardly. We'll, we'll go with that. Thank you. Thank you for stepping out of the boat there and answering. So he was very taken up with what they look like, right? And he's like, oh, this must be the one. And he gets his anointing oil almost and wants to anoint. But the Lord kind of rebukes Samuel. And he says, no, man looks at the outward, but I look at the heart. Good. If you didn't say heart, you meant to say it. Heart. Uh, the Lord's always looking at the heart. And uh, this is super important as we get going. And so then eventually Samuel doesn't find the man and or the... And he says, do you have any more sons? He goes, well, I have one more. And he's out there keeping the sheep, which means he's the youngest. He said, I'm not going to sit down until he comes. And he comes and Samuel anoints David king of Israel. But he's not king, actually. He's been anointed and in God's good time, he'll get him there. But it's going to be a process. Now, we sang a song, uh, the third song, the second song, I think, uh, this morning. And it says, um... Draw me close and teach me to abide. That could sum up the psalm. In this time of trouble and trial, God is going to teach David, young David, to draw close to him. And he's going to teach him to abide in him before he's ready to become king. So with this song, this psalm, you think of the background briefly. I'm going to go pretty quickly this morning for it. But David's on the run from Saul. He heads off from where he lived and uh, runs into kind of the desert region, rocky caves. Uh, last year, I got to go to Israel and we traveled some around there. And it's, there's not much there. Um, it's not as if it's beautiful green shrubs and water. There's not much there. So um, he's on the run from Saul. The times were difficult. And he even says in 1 Samuel 23, there's but a step between me and death. He, his life is at stake. Saul's going to kill him. Saul the king wants to kill him. Saul was a little, uh, you know, off base here and there. And he wanted to kill David. Saul was doing evil things and God wasn't doing anything about it. He was allowing, he, he didn't stop Saul from chasing and hunting down David. David, though, on the other side, he was doing good things and he felt abandoned by the Lord. And in this psalm, we see this is the background to the psalm. We see him questioning, complaining. They dominate David um, as God seems to be indifferent. He seems to be not helping him. Where is the Lord? Have you ever felt like that? Lord, if you're real, change my circumstances. 
And uh, these are, are genuine cries from the heart. They, you know, and as young people, I, I, I can identify to that because those questions continue on. The outline I want to briefly give you, verses 1 to 2, four questions. He asked the Lord four questions. And they all ought to do with time. How long? How long? How long? And how long? And then in verses 3 and 4, he asks, or says to the Lord three requests. He asks the Lord for something. Fear is dominating. Feelings are dominating in the first section. And then thirdly, uh, what we would call three threads, and I'll explain that later, and that's to do with faith, verse 5 and 6. So that's kind of the outline we're going to briefly go through. And we're going to fly along here. Because I don't have much time. But four questions. Verses one and two. Three requests. Verse three and four. And then three threads. Five and six. Again, a quick overview of the psalm. In honesty, he does complain. And it's honest complaint. Where are you, Lord? Uh, why have you hidden yourself from me, Lord? Where are you? Um, have you ever asked those questions? You're trying to do the right thing. And uh, things are not good. Things are not easy. Uh but we, we must hear in the background, God knows your struggles. He knows them. He doesn't always take us out of them, but He knows them. And in earnestness, with, with real earnestness, He prays. He, he's this honest prayer, you could put it that way. He knows our fears. He knows them. And then lastly, in assurance, with some assurance. It's not a uh, perhaps as strong as it could be. He praises God. And he realizes that God is near. Now, let's think about these questions. These are the basic questions that he asks. How long? He says, how long? Look at verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And you could sum it up. He feels forgotten. He's out in the wilderness. He's out in a difficult situation. Where are you, Lord? He feels as if the Lord's forgotten him. Does he even know or does he even remember who I am? Have you ever felt forgotten? Again, this psalm speaks of real feelings in real time, in real life. And as you as young people, have you ever felt forgotten? And he says that he, 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 he's honest with the Lord. It's good to be honest with the Lord. I, I can't. The Lord's never afraid of your questions. That's one thing I learned early on as a, a young believer. God is never afraid of your questions. Don't think you're going to ask the Lord a question that he's going to go, Oh, wow, yikes. I, uh, whoa, I'm not sure. You found me out. He's never afraid of your questions. How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? And you see the, the depth of the cry, the honesty of it all. And, and in a sense, it's almost a complaint. Where are you? You've forgotten me. Have you ever been forgotten? Secondly, in verse 1. How long will you hide your face from me? And the word face there speaks of God's presence. How long will you hide your face from me? And no, note the personal nature of, these, uh, of this psalm, me. Have you ever felt alone? Boy, that's a big challenge these days, isn't it? Feeling alone. Forgotten. No one no one's interested. And you're all alone. Thirdly, verse two, how long must I take counsel in my own soul and have sorrow in my heart 
all the day. Note the word heart. All the day. Note each moment of the day. And the question there could be summed up as he feels sad. He feels sorrowful. Have you ever felt sad? Sorrowful? David's not in a good state. He's out in the wilderness, probably all alone. Saul's after him, trying to kill him. His circumstances aren't good. Where's the Lord? And then fourthly, the question four, second part of chapter two, uh, verse two. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He's feeling overcome. Um, he's feeling defeated. Have you ever felt that? Like the enemy, he, you know, my enemy. And here he's speaking more of Saul. He's overwhelming. He has the advantage. Um, I have no, I have no supplies to fight back. I don't have much. So he's feeling forgotten, feeling alone, feeling sad, feeling overcome. So that's the first part we want to think about. How long? Four questions. I'm going to just move on a little bit to the second section, verses three and four. Three requests. Consider. Answer me and light up my eyes. Those, they're all in verse 3. Um, and I'll read the verse and, and again, we'll consider it. He, he definitely has some fears. Um, he's out there um, in the wilderness running from Saul. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. We see the personal nature of it. Light up my eyes or give light to my eyes. Give me light. Help me see. What are you doing? Lest I sleep the sleep of death. In other words, my, my, my life will count for nothing. I will, I will die out here. This is just not good. And then he presses on in verse 4. Lest my enemies say, I've prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken or I fall or I waver or I'm easily, easily moved. So four questions, three requests. There's a story. I don't have a lot of time. I've got a good number of stories here I want to tell you about. I don't know how far we'll get. But again, when you feel deserted, when you feel forgotten, when you feel alone, you have to know that the Lord is not far away. The Lord knows. We sang it even this morning. Again, um, the Lord wants you to depend on Him. You sang, I depend on you. Remember you sang that this morning? How does the Lord get you to depend on Him? He allows you to go through difficult circumstances. That's how He's going to do it. He's going to show you that He is faithful. That He is trustworthy. There was a young boy in, in, in Scotland years and years and years ago. And he went out to play with his friend. And they went... Um, close to some of the cliffs, and they were playing there. And he slipped. He slipped down, and down he went. And fortunately, he didn't go all the way down, but he went pretty far down and landed on this ledge. And it was it was tenuous. It was scary. And his friends like no, ah, ah, and he ran back to the village. Ran back, ran back, and 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 uh, found some. He found his dad. Found some other men, and they all came with a rope. They came back, and they came to him and said, "Hey, here." They threw the rope down to him, and he was hurt and injured. Grab it, we'll pull you up. Come on, grab it. No. And he wouldn't grab hold of the rope, and it was starting to get dark. And, and they're like, why won't you grab the rope? And then he's like, 
get my father, get my father. And they're like, oh, come on. And they ran back to the village, found the guy's father. And his father came back charging. <laughs> came back. He said, here I am, son. And he looks up and he grabbed the rope. And they pulled it off. Because he trusted his father. He didn't trust those other men. He explicitly knew his father wouldn't let him go. Do you have that kind of relationship with the Lord? Do you know him in that regard? He is dependable. He is trustworthy. He is one who we can fully lean upon. We all need to belong, don't we? We all perhaps have these kind of struggles. We feel forgotten. We feel alone. We feel sad. We feel overcome. And yet there is a God to whom we can come to, to whom we can truly belong and find a home with Him. Last night and the night before, we heard from Pastor Michael speaking about knowing the Lord in a, in a deeper way that, that, um, that He alone can satisfy your heart. And He can. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to um, help you see the, the, the importance and the realness of the Word of God. Here's David. Real feelings, in real time, in real life, he finds the Lord. Four questions, three requests, and then I'm going to say three threads, and I'll explain it in a minute. He begin, there's a point where David looks up. So, again, Psalm 13, verse 5. Everything changes at this moment. But! I, David says, have trusted in the Lord, in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. That's the second thread. I will sing to the Lord. That's the third thread. Because, why? He, and he remembers, has dealt bountifully, which all I have known the goodness of God toward me. God is trustworthy. I'm going to see if I can do this. I don't know if I can. We'll try it. We're running out of time, but we'll try. Here we go. So take that and go all the way back there where Maggie is. Can you give it to Maggie? Whoa, whoa, don't break it. Oh, you broke it. Here, try again. It's good for the illustration. In nine, uh, Carol. In uh, whoa. Psalm thirteen, verse nine. 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 Psalm thirteen, You got it? So in 1846, uh, they came up with the idea. Go for it. Yeah. Keep going. I'm just going to pull it off. Keep going. Thank you. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Actually, you know what? You just stand there. Keep going. Go, go, go against the wall. All right. There's the one side of Niagara Falls. And here's the other side. And uh, in 1848, uh, 1846, 
uh, they commissioned a man to build a suspension bridge, a walking bridge across Niagara Falls. They found the shortest section, about 800 feet, and needed to get across there. But what they needed to do, they needed to get a string or a thread across. So they had a competition, and in 19... Uh, yeah, I mean, that year, 1840, uh, 1846, they said, okay, who can get a thread across Niagara Falls? So people had ideas, and they decided on kites. So a young boy, after the first day, no one was able to get a kite across there so they could get the thread. Eventually, on the second day, a young boy, and I can tell you his name. Hold on, I wrote it down. So this is a true story. Mm. Horman Walsh. A young boy got his kite over there with the thread on, and they got it, just like you have it there. How hard was that, right? Uh, and there was a thread like this across Niagara Falls. That was it. Then what they did was then they got some wax um, string, and they attached it, and they got the wax string across. Then they got this. This isn't really it, but. They got something like this, and I don't have long enough, so, across. Then they got a rope across. Then they got a, um, some wire across. And off they went over and over. And eventually, in 1848, they got all the suspension across, and the first man walked over Niagara Falls. All started with this. And that's what I'm talking about here. Thank you. And you, don't, you can just let it go. Well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just sacrifice this uh, thread um, to EI. I, I'm not going to put a fee in for it. but um, That's the thread of faith. You may have that much faith. Just a piece of cotton. And sometimes it breaks, right? It's not much. But God wants to take you on a journey. And he wants to teach you to trust him. He wants you to, he wants to teach you that you can trust him. And you may stumble and you may fall, but slowly but surely God wants to build through circumstances and questions and difficulties and problems these threads of faith until one day as you grow, as you learn of the Lord that he is trustworthy, you build a bridge across more difficulties. This bridge didn't last, well, it lasted, it was just a walking bridge, it was three feet wide, that's all it was. Can you imagine being the first person to go across it? <sighs> we went up there, they had a suspension bridge for pedestrians, remember that Maggie and David? It was kind of, like, I, I'm, I'm so scared of heights, it's ridiculous. So I didn't even go, I went halfway, about halfway, and isn't that dumb? I went back again, uh, but I just actually, but then I did calculate, if I go the whole way, I have to do it again. If I go halfway and come back, I did it once, but anyway, I came back. From the American side to the Canadian side, I just, but it's, it's, it's pretty high. Eventually they built a railroad, uh, bridge across and off they went. And if you go up there now, there's a number of bridges for the cars and everything like that. But it starts with a thread. So again, I want to challenge you this morning. You may not have much faith to turn from your questions. You may not have much that you can bring to the Lord. But He is trustworthy. And I want to encourage you, as you look at this psalm, and as you hear the Word of God, we heard it last night, much. Look at verse 5 again. But, despite the fact that God didn't take away the difficulty, 
despite the fact that God didn't judge Saul as he chased after and made David's life very difficult. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And the third thread, I will sing to the Lord. Often I'm sitting at the back there and I'm hearing you sing. Think of the words. I wrote down some again. Draw me close and teach me to abide. Do you really mean that? I de- I've got a bad voice. Depend on you. I de- Do you really mean that? Think about it. I mean, I think you do. I really think you do. Yeah, but it's only, it's maybe not super strong. But keep looking to the Lord. Keep turning to him. Don't be afraid. He's not afraid of your questions. Sometimes you're going to have tough days and you have really tough circumstances. But the Lord is there. You sang also in that song, Be my strength and song. Be the be my strength and song. How does that go? In yeah, in the oh, thank you. In the night, I just thought about like sometimes it's dark. Sometimes it's like I don't know. Lord, don't turn away. Remember, one little thread became a suspension bridge across Niagara. Had to start somewhere. It was pretty cool. You and I doing it, fumbling around. It wasn't working, and and that's like it's. That's our faith. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm way older than you, but often my faith is just like this. Just not much. But it's a start. That's why this psalm, I, I, I'm not going to go back through that, but that's why this psalm, psalm can be seen as a song of faith. Because really, at the end of it all, the problem's not gone, but his eyes are on the Lord. And that's where the Lord will continually take us to teach us His way. But let's pray. Father, we come and thank You this morning for Your Word. We again ask that You would quicken us and open up our hearts. Lord, we have struggles. We have deep feelings. We have questions. Sometimes we feel alone and abandoned. Sometimes we feel sad and sorrowful, overcome, defeated. But Lord, You are our home. To You we belong. Help us to come, even if our faith is broken. Help us to come, even if our faith is but a thread. Help us to come. And Lord, we thank you that you never leave, you never forsake. And we praise you in Jesus' name.